Hi, I'm Tori Aletto, and welcome to the Imperfect Person Podcast. I'm your host, a licensed marriage and family therapist for the last 15 years. This podcast was created from the heart of my work, which is how the hardest parts of life often lead us to healing the relationship we have with ourselves. Each episode will dive into hard conversations with honesty and compassion. I'm so grateful that this podcast was produced by my friends over at Next Level University. And now let's move through the hard stuff together. Welcome back to the Imperfect Person Podcast. I am your host, Tori Aletto. And today's topic is the very vulnerable topic, sex in a long-term relationship. So I was originally going to do this episode with my husband, but I decided to do it on my own because I'm really going to go into um, a little bit more depth. And I really am hoping that this perspective feels valuable because I do think it is a taboo topic that we don't often talk about or even feel, you know, very comfortable talking about. So let me just give you some basics. I've been with my husband now for 11 years and we moved in with each other about eight years ago, which is when we both noticed our sex life kind of shifted a lot. And when I say shifted, it decreased a lot. So for me, that caused a great amount of anxiety for so many reasons, things that I didn't know then, but I know now, number one, I come from, um, a family where there was a lot of cheating. And for me at the time I connected, you know, having a healthy sex life to, um, helping with, you know, infidelity. Right. So because of even that simple fact, a decrease in sex caused a significant amount of fear and anxiety and stress in me. So much so that I started to become almost like hyper-focused, hyper-focused on the frequency, hyper-focused on how many times a week was he into it? Did he initiate? Was he receptive? You know, like, and it turned into more of an anxiety uh, space than what I think intimacy is meant to be kind of the complete opposite. It's a place where you're supposed to let go and distress and be together and be present in your body. And for me, because this was layered with a deep fear of, oh, if our sex life um, goes, you know, wrong, then, you know, someone's going to cheat on someone and our marriage is, you know, going to end. So there was, there was a lot there for me. And there's actually more that I'm going to go into a little bit on a personal level. So I was approaching this with a ton of anxiety and a ton of stress and what had happened, you know, he was more avoidant. I was more, you know, persistent, our typical styles. And it created, it made intimacy and sex stressful and pressured and awkward and uncomfortable. And what I can say now that I don't know if I could articulate so clearly back then is for me, it was so much less about the physical act of having sex that was bothering me. For me, it was really wanting to feel desired and seen in, in that way, in an intimate way. And when he did not see me 
sexually or intimately, or, or I didn't feel desire. I almost felt like that part of me was gone. And I remember times where I would initiate or something and I would feel rejected. It wasn't just, oh, uh, we're not going to have sex and that's okay. It was, I felt rejected. And I think that's when this became not only a relational thing to deal with, but a personal thing to deal with. And my own exploration around this became, well, why does my sexual identity and the way that I relate to myself, like, why does that go away if I don't feel him desiring me? And it became a new space for me to start to explore desire, sexuality, the feeling that way, that energy you get when you have that with someone. I just started to explore this. And when I started to unpack it, I noticed that feeling desired very much connected to feeling worthy. And that if I would go out and someone was interested in me, I felt good enough. I felt better. So there was a part of me and it was a kind of electric, like you guys know what I'm talking about. When someone desires you, it's like this like magnetic energy in your body and you just feel like on top of the world kind of thing. But because I never developed personally more than that within myself, I relied on it externally. And now I'm in this dynamic with my then boyfriend, now husband, where if he didn't want to have sex or didn't, or I didn't feel desired by him, that part of me was gone and crumbled. And I remember like getting dressed up, like, you know, trying to be like all put together, whatever, with the hopes that he would look at me a certain way. And that's so impactful because when I think about the now and the today and how much work I've had on developing this part of me, when I get dressed up or whatever it is, and I'm trying to put myself together, it's really an energy that I'm trying to embody within me now versus trying to get validated from the outside world. And that is a huge, huge shift that only happened because of the sexual challenges in the relationship. Another thing I want to mention that I also think um, is why I'm having this episode with just me is that I find, um, or I found there was a lot of shame that I was like the one wanting to have sex more, or that was what I thought it was. And I was like, well, isn't it supposed to be the guy? Aren't all these guys, you know, I'm obviously talking about a heterosexual relationship, but aren't all these, all the men wanting to, and the women kind of saying, oh, I'm tired. I'm at, how is this reversed? Like, this is a major problem. There's a lot of shame there that really amplified my worthiness issues around my own sexuality. Um, and, and, and more importantly, my worth and how that all tied in together. So, and I say that because I also, you know, over the years have seen a lot of clients in these opposite roles, so to speak, again, heterosexual relationship where, um, a male had less desire than the female. And there was so much shame there because of this like typical, very stereotypical man-female relationship of what that's supposed to look like. And I'm pointing that out there because it certainly fed into some of the worthiness stuff that was layered here. And a big part of this work, you know, um, I remember 
I think it was in a podcast, or I'm not really sure, but Esther Perel said something and it really stuck with me that if you can't say an authentic no to sex in a relationship, and I don't mean consent, no, I mean like, I don't want to have sex tonight. I'm tired. If you can't do that freely, then you can't say yes freely. And that stuck with me so much because I remember back then I didn't leave room for him to say no. Um, Again, not in a consent way, but in a, if you say no, I'm going to feel rejected kind of way. And because there was no room for no, there was no room for yes. Again, I'm talking about this all in my perspective. This doesn't mean that he didn't have a role in his own work and all his stuff. I just want to share with you my end of it because I feel number one, more comfortable doing so. And number two, um, I think this is a lot more layered than we tend to think it is. Um, And that really stuck with me. There was no, no. And, And it really made me peel back the layers towards my worth and my relationship with myself on an intimate level that I don't think I ever really developed because it was always, oh, this is a part of me that exists with someone else. When someone else desires me, when someone else wants me or whatever the right wording is, right? That was a relationship that I had with other people. It was never one I developed with myself, just feeling intimately or sexually connected to myself and my own body and my own fantasies and my own wants and needs that was never explored. So this new space became a place of, well, now I have to develop this because I can't have this part of me solely rely on my husband because marriages and long-term relationships have intimacy ebbs and flows and shifts and challenges. So my worth can't go with them. It has to be my own job to work on that. And then we work on the relational stuff of this. Um, And I really worked hard on separating and, and kind of developing myself in this particular area. And what's really interesting is I remember around that time, frame going out. I was still, you know, in my twenties doing stuff, pre-pandemic kind of stuff going out with my friends. And I remember someone flirting with me and I got that like rush again. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, there she is. That's the part of me that I've been missing. And I'm pointing this awkward topic out number one, because I immediately went home and shared it with my husband, um, for the way I'm going to share it with you now. I think, and I, and I've obviously worked with a ton of couples, not everyone's cheating has to do with this. Everyone's situation is unique and different, but many have to do with this where they lose touch with this desirable, intimate, sexual part of themselves. And they only find it with another. And I think that sometimes, you know, in a different scenario, if I wasn't so self-aware, I would have gone to that bar someone would have flirted with me and I would have confused it with a connection to that person. And that's what I think cheating becomes. Again, not all the time, not everyone's cheating. Everyone's scenario can be different, but many times it becomes, we think we're chasing a person or an outside relationship when really we're chasing a feeling in us that we lost along the way in our relationship. And that was like a aha moment for me. I came home and I immediately told my husband, I was like, forget this person. This person means nothing. This person was like a little gift to me to realize, why don't I 
have this part of me alive without another feeling it? Why doesn't this part exist in me? Why am I waiting for someone to make me feel that magnetic energy? Why can't I feel that and exude it and give it off? Why am I waiting, you know, for someone else to fulfill that? So I think that that's important because I think there's a, there's a a line here, right? Where my own work and my work with my husband. And I think we often want to kind of focus on one or the other too much. Like this is all a me problem, or this is all a us problem. Oftentimes it's both right? It's both. And everyone's situation is unique and different. So I can't say, you know, maybe it's more of a relationship problem and you have a solid, you know, intimate relationship with yourself or completely opposite. This is just really to get you thinking about this because this has been work for me the last eight years developing this part of me. So what this really sparked in me was kind of developing this part within me for me And my husband and I got on the same page about what was actually important to us and what we both wanted. And maybe I'll call them sexual values. And those looked a lot more like quantity over quality. I didn't want to be like, well, you want to have sex twice a week and I want to have sex five times a week. I, I don't want, that feels like exercise to me. I want that genuine magnetic, lustful energy present in a marriage, in a long-term relationship, whatever. That's what I'm craving. That's what I want. And he was on the same page. So what's really cool about that is it let go the pressure of frequency. It let go the pressure of hyper-focusing. And it really made me present with how do I become that energy? How do I exude it? And how do we as a couple fill our intimacy tank. That's what I like to call it. Like imagine there's like an empty jar right here and we're fueling intimacy. And you guys have to really, you know, if you're talking about this with a partner, you want to think about what fuels your intimacy tank. For me and my husband, we have little kids. We're exhausted. You know, we're arguing about who's going to do the dishes. And for us, a little joke, a little sarcastic joke, puts a little token in that intimacy tank. It's almost like the stuff that reminds you of the other parts of you. Because when you add in life and bills and money and stress and work and COVID and children, you forget those parts of you, those intimate, fun, exciting, sexual parts of you. So when you think about what fills your tank, me and my husband kind of sat down and figured it out. And that's what we spend time on. We don't focus on frequency of sex. We focus on how can I fill this tank so that we are excited to be together? And then so naturally when that tank fills, we have a really connected, magnetic, natural, exciting sexual experience. That's what became important for us. And for me, that was very different because now it's taken, you know, it's a journey and it's ongoing. Of course, I don't rely on him to feel, fill those parts of me. I exude them. I become them. I fill the tank. And then it so naturally happens for us. And it doesn't matter how much or how often specifically now that we have two little babies and we're working from home, we see each other all the time. We're not really looking 
at it in that way. We're looking at how do we feel this connection between us? How do we keep that intact? Because that's what I think is the struggle in long-term relationships is that number one, we assume we hear things like intimacy takes work. Yes. But intimacy, you know, it depends what that means for you, because for us, it means energy, the energy, the excitement, the little part of us that's different from mom and dad role and different from managing a home kind of role. It's that little excitement that we hold on to and fill our tanks with versus scheduling it in for that. For us, that wouldn't work because that's not really checking the box for me. I don't, to me, that's like an exercise. You know, you can kind of schedule your own time to be with your own body. You know, you don't need that. But for, for us as a couple, it's that energy between us that we value maintaining and that maintenance comes with, first of all, knowing what creates that energy between you and exuding it and becoming it. And that has been a lot of work for me from someone who went from solely relying on other people to finding these parts within me. Now I'm assuming you might have the question, well, how did you find them? What did you do? What was that like? It's a different space for everyone. And, you know, it took me time in therapy and it took courses. I do recommend, um, Esther Perel's course. We did do that one. And it really got us thinking about this stuff, but it, you know, it's just kind of tapping into that spark in us, that little, you know, fun, magnetic sexual spark. Um, and how do we do that, um, in ourselves and, and be present with our own bodies and physical, I mean, in, and kind of exploring fantasies, not only with our partner, but within ourselves. When we can kind of manifest that, I think that then we can bring it into the relationship. Um, and that's been a game changer for us. So the reason why I wanted to do this episode is I do think that this topic is taboo. I think from a female perspective, again, in a heterosexual relationship, it, it brings on a lot of shame and a lot of worthiness issues. And I do think it really forces you to kind of come face to face with sexuality and feeling desired and worth and all of that. And that's kind of been a side gift for me that I've gotten to work on that alongside kind of improving this energy and dynamic in the marriage. So that's all I got for you. I hope that you find value in this. Um, and I hope that it kind of sparks something in you to kind of throw this into the bucket. If you are trying to figure out your own intimacy stuff with your partner. Um, I do have a bunch of courses coming out, um, about couples, a couples, I think connection course and a dating webinar. I have a lot of fun webinars coming out, so I'm excited to release those. And maybe I'll even add in one particularly around intimacy and sex, because that's what this topic is. So I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments. I appreciate you here with me today. And I look forward to seeing you on the gram. Find me at NY Therapist. Thanks, guys.